0: This morning we are continuing our series, What Does Your Soul Crave? Last week we talked about how at the very beginning God has created us with cravings. We saw in the garden that man had cravings. He craved food. He craved and needed oxygen. He needed that breath that God gave. He needed water. He needed companionship and intimacy. God says it's not good that the man should be alone. And so even before the fall, God has created us with desires. And we spoke last week how these desires are like breadcrumbs that lead us to God, that this desire that He has put within us are things that actually pull us to who He is. But we also talked about how those desires can be tainted and can be broken. In fact, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. As we're looking at what our souls crave, we're going to be looking at intimacy, but we're going to be looking at dysfunction. Most of us who are involved with families or in our lives look at our families and can see some area of dysfunction. Is anyone here with me in that area where you can... Okay, good. So if you didn't raise your hand because you felt like, I don't want to be the only one look around, you're not, okay? We're a pretty dysfunctional lot. And because of this, these cravings that we have, one of the problems is that they can lead us... In good ways, but they can also lead us in, in bad ways. C.S. Lewis said that all our vices are virtues that have gone astray. That there are things that we want, but then when we want too much of them or we abuse them, then it takes us down a, a bad road, it takes us down a bad path. And, and I think that's something that we see in this area of intimacy. You know, love and the need for love is something that we all have. The last two weeks, I've gotten these little cards in the mail. They're, you know, kind of like uh, uh, Hallmark cards, but they're handmade. And they simply say, thank you for being such a blessing to us. And... I think I know who they're from, I'm not going to spoil it, you know, and say, oh, because they're meant to be anonymous, so I'm not going to say, I know who you guys are, Um, but I do. Um, (laughs) But I get those, and it's so appreciated. It's funny, you know, I never thought I would, you know, be the kind of guy who would like, oh, I got a card in the mail. No, that was so fifth grade, but here I get these cards, and I'm like, oh, Oh, someone appreciates me. Oh, I show them to Corrine. Look at, They appreciate me. Um, <laughs> we all desire that. We all want to be wanted. We all need to love and to be loved. And it pulls at us and it draws us. And, and it's an amazing thing because... There is probably nothing that has caused more problems or more harm in humanity than love. There is nothing more dangerous than for a human being to be in love. If you doubt that, look at a junior high schooler in love. It's dangerous. Really, it is. Reason out the window. Everything is just driven by this passion, this craving that we have. And it's kind of funny because in the atheistic circles, when they talk about evolution, And what is driving mankind and humanity, they say that fear is the driving force of humanity. Fearing extinction is what drives man to try and succeed. People like Sam Harris and people like that talk about that. But you would think if that was true, we would have been done with love a long time ago because it causes so much trouble. But it's amazing how we will be willing to even engage fear because we want love in fact love is a fearful thing isn't it isn't it (laughs) have you ever had to step into that conversation you're vulnerable someone has to say I love you and if the response back isn't I love you too things aren't gonna go well if you say I love you and they say that's nice (laughs) your heart crushes and you break because what you're doing is saying, I have a need and I am looking to you for the need that I have. And so love is the most dangerous place to be in relationship with other human beings. But when we give up on love, we actually find that we give up on life. And so love is driving us, and it's meant to drive us, and it's meant to drive us to God, who is love. But oftentimes it gets hijacked and it gets sidetracked. And there are areas where love becomes a dark place. And so we're going to be looking at some of the the dysfunctions and the dark side of love with the hope that we can learn from these things and not fall into these snares that we see other people have fallen into. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37, starting at verse 2. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. So he's telling on his brothers, the first thing we're seeing about Joseph, okay? Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. We see the dysfunction starting to to take place. It's interesting that the reason that Israel or Jacob loved Joseph wasn't because of what Joseph did, but really because of what Israel did. I was old and I had a kid. He's kind of taking pride in himself. And so this son becomes kind of my trophy. Look what I did, even when I was an old guy. That's right. Okay, he's really loving him because of what it means to himself. But we see the problem that takes place between now Joseph and his brothers. They hated him, could not speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf, rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Those of you who have siblings or children, imagine this going on in your family. Imagine one of your kids saying, I had a dream. Yes, what I had stood up and what you had bowed down to me. So imagine the sense and the feeling that was going on within them. Verse 8, his brother said to him, you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. They already hated him. But he was just adding fuel to the fire. Verse 9. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said. <laughs> Not really... Catching on here. Listen, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Sun, moon, mom, dad, 11 stars, 11 brothers all bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. We see here that jealousy and envy start to rise up. And it's interesting because the brothers were angry, were jealous and hated him. Joseph was angry, but... He didn't hate him, and so he thought about what he was saying. Now, we know the story. We know that later on this is going to come to pass. But what we see happening here is that the jealousy starts to blind his brothers because what they are wanting the love that they desire, they see more of it being given to their brother and it stirs something up in them. And so now we we find that when the love that we want isn't given to us or when something happens to us that doesn't seem fair, like father loving him more, Or a circumstance happening to us, or someone doing something to us, Uh, an event happens that causes hurt to us, there is a response. And how you respond determines how you are going to live. The brothers are hurt, they're envious. They're jealous, and instead of leading to a place of wanting forgiveness, wanting reconciliation, it leads them to a place of jealousy, and now they turn away and don't want the success of Joseph. They cannot celebrate him because it's taking away from them. Because we desire intimacy... When we are hurt, it's going to drive us to respond. And sometimes we respond in anger. Sometimes we respond in jealousy. Sometimes we respond in wanting revenge. See, the, the desiring intimacy isn't wrong. But now that I'm hurt, how am I going to respond? And if you do not want or cannot celebrate the success of someone else, there's something wrong. There's something dark happening in you. If you cannot celebrate the benefit of someone else, and have you ever been in that situation where someone who maybe has wronged you and you see them doing well, and it's like, I don't feel good about them doing well. I really would rather they we're doing poorly. Why? Because it would make me feel better. See, that's telling me something about myself. What I am wanting is revenge. What I am wanting is to see harm taking place. Why? Because I've been hurt. And so I want to hurt back. Last week I was doing dog training and I was training a dog. Sorry, got another dog training story. This dog has been abused. It's been apparently kicked because the dog attacks people's feet and probably hit because it attacks people's hands too. And you see what's happening is every time the dog sees someone moving, it's thinking, I need to protect myself because I was hurt. And it responds in a vicious way because that's what has been done to them. I've been hurt. I'm going to protect myself. And we do a similar thing when we're hurt. We protect ourselves, and we protect ourselves by allowing this kind of envy, jealousy, and anger to start taking place in us. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. You see, Joseph's brothers would have been able to inherit the blessing that God was going to give to their brother if they would have given blessing. But we know the story. It was going to have to go through some hard times to get there. They got so angry that they sold him into slavery. They got so angry that they betrayed their own family. They got so angry that they didn't care about how it hurt their father. They didn't care about what it did to Joseph. All they cared about was the hurt that they were feeling. And so they responded to hurt. Why? Because they were jealous. What is the jealousy? I want the love that you're getting. I want the grace that you're getting. I want the mercy that you're getting. I want the blessing that you're getting and I'm not getting it. And so I'm responding in a negative way. And if I cannot celebrate the success of others, it's telling me something. If I cannot accept and celebrate the, the forgiveness of others it's telling me something about me and so jesus says well, how you forgive others is how god is going to forgive you that's startling that's sobering because when we're hurt forgiveness is so so hard and it all stems from the fact that what we desired would was intimacy And we were wounded there. And it causes within us a problem. There's another example in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And this is a dark passage. This is one that you probably don't hear very often in church and for good reason. It's just one of these difficult passages to talk about. But I think it's very telling, again, in this area of... The dark side and dysfunction of intimacy. Says in Second Samuel thirteen, verse one, In the course of time Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar, and though this is they had the same father but different mothers, that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible him to do anything to her. Now Amnon had an advisor named. jonadab son of shimea david's brother jonadab was a very shrewd man he asked amnon why do you the king's son look so haggard morning after morning won't you tell me amnon said to him i'm in love with tamar my brother absalom's sister go to bed and pretend to be ill jonadab said When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make me some special bread in my sight so that I may eat from her hand. David sent word to Tamar at the palace. Go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was laying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, listen to this. He hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing an ornate robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands On her head, and went away, weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Has that Amnon your brother been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. When King David heard all this, he was furious. And Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because He had disgraced his sister Tamar. Here we see an account where lust drives Amnon to do something. But we see that it doesn't drive him to do something that is satisfying for him. It actually drives him to do something and then by doing it, the fact that it does not satisfy his desire causes him to actually be angry and it turns what was thought to be love into hatred. You did not satisfy the need I had and so now I will hate you because of it. And you see, that is something that happens with lust. The There is a difference between being consumed by love and wanting to consume someone for yourself. And the desire for intimacy, the desire for wanting someone to be a part of your life, think of that person are you wanting what is better for them or are you wanting them just for yourself? Is your relationship making them better? or is it just about what you can get out of it now relationships can start well and then turn into this you can be married and have the best intentions and the marriage is working fine and then there comes a time where that desire becomes self-focused and starts becoming self-centered and pretty soon you're not thinking about making them better You're just thinking about what you can get from this marriage. And then when you don't get what you want from this relationship, you close the door and shut it out. Don't be in a relationship for what you can get out of it, but for what you can put into it. What are you able to give? That's what love looks at love doesn't seek its own what can I put into it am I what's best for them give yourself for the success of others you see so many times when it's just about us as soon as it doesn't satisfy us we turn as quickly as Amnon did I can remember being in a relationship back in high school. This was my BC days before Kareen, uh, and I remember I liked this girl, and she was cute and all. And we were going out, and there was this one thing that she was doing that was just really disturbing in this event. And I remember just saying, "Hey, what you're doing is kind of, you know, disturbing." And I remember all of a sudden, man, the relationship was over. All I did was say one thing. And she put me on the train and waved goodbye from the station. She just like, bye, we'll see you later. I'm like, what? I was just trying to make you aware of something. But you see, she didn't want to hear anything. And it was so so surreal. I was like, wait, what happened to the way we were? Well, there never was the way we were. It was the way I am. And you just happened to be a part of that. You see, the desire is self-seeking, self-satisfying. It's not going to lead to further intimacy. What it's going to do is take you away from that intimacy. Do you use people? Are they there for you? Are you one of those friends that don't water the friendship tree? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm here as long as I can get something from you. But when you need something, sorry, I'm busy. I I can't help you. And I think we have friends like that. I know there are people who have no problem calling me. Hey, Sam, I, can you help me out of a jam? I, I'm short of money this week, or I need this, and I, I need a ride here. And can you help me with this problem? I need some help in court. And they call, and okay, you're there for them. And then you call them. Hey, man, I was wondering if I could get a ride. My car's at the shop. Oh man, I'd love to, but I've got you know I got some things going on. Oh, okay. What do you got going on? Oh, I've got Call of Duty, you know, I'm playing right now. Okay, so sorry to interrupt your game. And there's just a lack of involvement in other people's lives. It's really about my life. And you see, we want the intimacy, but if we're only wanting it to consume for ourselves, what we love will become what we hate in the moment. And the Proverbs tell us that hell and destruction are never full and the eyes of man are never satisfied. And you'll be hungry, 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 wanting to satisfy that hunger. And when it doesn't satisfy you, you get angry. You, you turn on it and, and it becomes bitter to you. And, and maybe that's a relationship you've been in where it was great when I wanted it, but as soon as it didn't satisfy me, it became bitter. There's another example I want to look at in Genesis chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 2. A familiar story. Cain and Abel. So later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks... Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. You know, we measure the world through our own souls. Cain was angry. God accepted his brother's offering, not mine. He was angry with God, but how do you show anger to God? What can you do that's going to hurt God? Well, you can hurt who God loves, and that's exactly what Cain did. He took that anger and he placed it on his brother. And he went to a place where, again, he was bitter. He wanted acceptance. He didn't get it, and so instead of turning to What can I do for restoration? He turned to bitterness. And that bitterness led him down this path. When a person moves from intimacy to jealousy, bitterness, or anger, they move to a place of solitude and slowly find themselves alone. I posted this and a friend of mine responded and he said, solitude is too nice of a word. You should put the word isolation. And it's true. You see, if you move to a place of jealousy, if you move to a place where you're bitter, if you move to the place where you're angry, what's going to happen is you are going to isolate yourself and pretty soon you will find yourself alone. And that's exactly where Cain was. He was a restless wanderer. And he says, I'm going to be a restless wanderer for the rest of my life. And then he says, everyone's going to try to kill me. And really, people weren't going to try and kill him. It's just the way he thought. And so he was seeing the world through his own soul. He was seeing the world as he thought everyone would see it because that's what he saw. And you see, this dark side moves us to hatred. It moves us to envy. And it can even move us to violence. And so what we start to see here is that if you give in to this bitterness, it not only pushes you away from God, it pushes you away from everyone. And it starts taking a little bit of your life, but it starts consuming it like a cancer. And pretty soon you're a bitter, angry person and you hate everything. Have you ever met someone who was up in their years? And maybe they're like the sweetest person. They're just smiling and they just think wonderful things and just like, man, she is the sweetest lady. Man, she's elderly, but she's just so sweet. And then have you ever met the other person, that bitter person? You talk to them, and they're like, all they do is bark at you and just the an Ebenezer Scrooge kind of a person. And you see what I, I think happens is the person who gives himself to to love and to intimacy, but doesn't allow bitterness to take hold of them, but keeps moving to restoration, keeps moving in areas of forgiveness, they find that they can enjoy their life. They can enjoy their relationships. They can enjoy the relationships with other people. And so when they get older, they actually just get nicer. They might get a little senile, but they're sweet, right? At least they're a sweet, senile person. But then the other person who gives in to bitterness... And starts becoming isolated. It it starts eating at them, and as they get older, they start becoming more and more bitter. And now, at 60, they're a lot more bitter than they were at 40, and at 80, they're more bitter still. And imagine that just going on into eternity. What kind of being they would be because bitterness took control of them. And what they wanted was acceptance. What they wanted was that intimacy, but instead of doing what is necessary to bring further intimacy, they gave in to the dark side of bitterness. And it started haunting their soul and eating away at their humanity. We need to recognize the importance. And we have the example in one last passage. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 starting at verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Here is Jesus in his most difficult time. Here is Jesus at a time where he is broken and in anguish. Verse 45, when he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up. and he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and some of the... Some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together. Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seating there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. The Lord had spoken to him before. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Here is Jesus at a time where He could use the support and strength from those who He's closest to and instead they're sleeping, they're denying, and they're even betraying Him. Not just neglecting Him, not just talking about Him, they are betraying Him, denying Him. You know, it makes a lot of sense now when we think of the resurrection when Jesus comes before the disciples and he says, I come in peace. See, he wasn't coming in anger. He he wasn't coming to get revenge. He wasn't coming to set things straight. He was coming in peace. And, And this story about Peter... How do we even know that it happened? The only ones who really knew about it were Jesus and Peter. Peter had to tell someone else of his failure, which is telling. But we see how Jesus responds to this. And instead of getting bitter, instead of getting angry, instead of wanting vengeance... Instead of wanting just his needs to be met, he actually comes to them in peace. And we see how we are to deal with these situations that come upon us when we have the hurt, when we have those struggles of jealousy, of envy, of betrayal. We see the response that we're to have Because you will not live a life filled with intimacy without also living a life that is filled with pain. If you are going to have intimacy in your life, there is going to be pain. Because we are broken, hurting people. Because we don't respond always the way we should. You see, it's easy for me to look at the things that people have done to me. Say, man, look at what you did to me. That's terrible. But you see, I've done similar things. Maybe not the exact same things, but I've done similar things to other people where I've neglected them, where I've taken advantage of them, where I've used them, where I've not considered their feelings, but they were just there for me. It happens to me and I do it to others because we are broken and in need and we need intimacy and we desire that, but we are fragmented and there is going to be pain and how you respond to the hurt is vital to the life you are going to live. If you are going to have a life filled with more intimacy, you are going to have to have forgiveness. You are going to have to let go of the bitterness. You're going to have to stop wanting revenge. You are going to have to want them to do better and celebrate their success. It doesn't mean you trust them in your life, but you don't want what is evil for them. You want what is good. If you are not willing to forgive, you will not be able to love. And a life without love is not a life at all. And so we are stuck in this battle of need for intimacy, wanting to, to give love, wanting to receive love, and there are pitfalls if we are not careful because we will give in to the jealousy. We will give in to the envy, the anger, the bitterness. We, we will give in to the lust just to consume instead of wanting to give. We will give in to that hatred and pretty soon we start destroying what intimacy is in our own lives but God has given us the desire for intimacy. And may we have the wisdom to see that what we need is this love for God and for other people. And may we do what is necessary so that that can continue and take place. May we take Jesus' example, who though He was betrayed, He still forgave. And he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. May we do the same thing. And and wherever we find ourselves, may we take that example and follow after it. Let's pray. Father, it, it doesn't take much to know that there are people here this morning who are struggling with anger towards people who have hurt them, towards bitterness. There are people who are struggling in the area of lusting or consuming for themselves and not trying to be a benefit to others. Lord, there is no surprise here. This is who we are as humanity. So, Lord, I, I pray that we would acknowledge where we are at. We would be honest with you and with ourselves. That if we are jealous, we would admit that jealousy and that we would put it aside and we would receive the inheritance that you want to give to us. That we would allow you to restore and rebuild those relationships. That if we are living in an area of consuming, where we are wanting people for our benefit, we be aware of it and we would stop. That we would think about how is my life benefiting them? And if it isn't, may we put the effort in so that it can be. If we're in a place where we're bitter, we're hurt, we're wounded, And we're withdrawing. We're responding in a way that is taking us away and not leading us closer to you. May we stop and realize that we are destroying ourselves and the people around us if we will not seek wholeness, and dealing with these areas in a healthy way. And, and Lord, we need your example. Not only do we need your example, we need your strength. Father, may we not only see what needs to take place, but may we step in faith in that direction and might you meet us there. So that as we extend that peace to those who have hurt us, as we relinquish that pride in our hearts or that lust that we have of consuming, as we take a step towards You, might we find peace, might we find healing. And Lord, might this drive and this craving for intimacy be fulfilled in You, the God who is love, The God who has created us in His own image. Lord, we desire because You put it within us. May that desire lead us to Your throne, to Your feet, and to act like You. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.